Back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! All right, good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 103.9 WYAB. Thanks for joining me today. I feel like I should open the show this way. Hi, my name is Mike Madison, and I watched The View this morning. I feel like it should be said with the same kind of shame uh, that somebody who is an alcoholic, who has done things they're not proud of, a drug addict, a sex addict, somebody in front of some kind of an anonymous support group should introduce themselves. I, I actually saw... I actually saw some of the view this morning. Let me, let me explain. Let me explain. I've told you I'm out in California. I don't want people thinking that I'm I'm changing while I'm out here. They're not getting to me. Uh, but I do watch uh, any town that I'm in. I'm always going to watch the local news. Always kind of interested in what's going on in the cities where I am. I was watching the LA News Channel, and it was not because they've got some of the cutest weather and traffic women I've ever seen. This is apparently where you try to get to, you know, there's obviously some, it's very interesting for a media that is so, so committed to equality and inner beauty and all this stuff. You look at the LA news, LA local news, it's a smoke show. It's just interesting. I'm sure they're, they're certainly the best qualified people, but I watch the local news. doesn't matter what town I'm in. Always interested to see what's going on in other parts of the country. And then I mute it. I start my day at 7 a.m. So by the time the next show comes on, I was watching the ABC affiliate this morning. So by the time Good Morning America came on, it was already muted. The TV is kind of off to my side. I had some paperwork to do this morning. I was busy doing that for several hours. Then I needed to get ready, get dressed. And I noticed that The View was on and I thought, huh, so the show is still on, I guess. And I unmuted it. Holy cow. You know, whenever I can't understand how people put up with so much going on, and I got to tell you, I need to remind myself that some people actually get their news from The View. This is Joy Behar and this was Sonny Hoskins. Whoopi was not on today. Poor me. I missed the ratings sweep. Is Whoopi still on? Did she do something? Did she get canceled? She might have gotten canceled. I don't know. But I, I, we, we all need to remind ourselves as we look around and say, how can people not see what's going on right now? Understand, and I looked it up, more than 2.4 million people every day watch The View. Now, this was in 2022. I would imagine as election season heats up, of course, it's always election season, but it'll probably be even higher you add this, and maybe I'm sure there's a lot of overlap, but you start to look at the numbers. Apparently, uh, since Tucker Carlson's been gone from Fox, that the uh, MSNBC, 
They're getting some of the highest ratings on cable news. We just need to remind ourselves of these things. What, what struck me about The View this morning is as I was listening to them spout some of the most ridiculous nonsense, is, is I, I looked at them. Oh, I'm putting my shoes and socks and pants on. I was listening to them just almost with a smirk on my face thinking, oh my gosh, this is American political commentary in 2023 and has been for quite some time, apparently. That's what they talk about, like they are, these people are experts. Of course, I'm no more qualified to talk about these things than they are, but the stuff that was coming out of their, their mouths was ridiculous stuff. But I looked at them and I thought, oh my gosh, they're not embarrassed by this. They are not embarrassed about what they're saying. They actually believe it, and by extension, their viewers, I guess, believe this stuff too. So that's 2.4 million people every day are tuning in to the view this roundtable of exclusively women. There's some incredibly smart, insightful women out there. Not a single one of them is on the view. Amazing that that is, uh, it's a, well, it goes along with my idiocracy theory that it's a documentary. Uh, quotes of the day today, a couple of them. This was interesting. I saw this pop up today from uh, Edward Snowden. Not sure when he said it, but Edward Snowden said this. He said, I've never understood the political fear of libertarians. Quote, sure, they're not in power now, but someday they might take over and uh, leave you alone, I guess, since that's kind of their whole deal. Edward Snowden says, it's like being afraid of cats. <laughs> and you'll see this. I, I I hear people talk like this all the time. Oh, they've got some good ideas, but I just can't imagine a country where the government just shrinks to nothing and leaves you alone. It'd be chaos. Uh, and I definitely wanted to get to this. Here's a, here's a long quote of the day. This is an audio clip, actually, that I ran across of Glenn Beck. Now, I've been hot and cold to Glenn Beck uh, when he was on Fox. Not a fan. He was a bit of a neocon warmonger. Interesting guy, but, you know, he had to be Fox, right, when he was on Fox. He's gotten markedly better since he has been out. I guess he's got the Blaze TV now. But this clip showed up in a feed that I was looking at, and I thought I'd play it. It's, it's kind of good comfort for me. People know I can get a tad uh, agitated at the news. Not always the best form to be an angry talk show host. You either go full-on Alex Jones, <laughs> or you need to kind of calm down. That's kind of where I found myself. I, I love to laugh, so. I, but the news gets to me sometimes. But I was just glad to know I'm in good company. This is uh, Glenn Beck just a couple of days ago. I think I just have to say it like this. I don't know about you, but I'm tired. I am worn out. I am fed up. I've had enough. I am tired of exposing corruption, doing our homework, finding, going overseas and having documents translated to make sure they're exactly right, presenting the evidence. We know what's happening, except then once we expose it, nothing happens. Nobody goes to jail. Nobody pays for a damn thing anymore. Nothing. If you and I did half the things that people in Washington do every day, you and I would go to prison. Amen. Clinton got away with it. Even the left knew that the Clinton Foundation was dirty. They sold uranium to our biggest enemy, Russia. Oh, that, that, I got to tell you, that part broke my heart. 
Why is Russia our biggest enemy? What, what has Russia ever done to the United States? Oh, they compete with our oil and gas oligarchs who control our Congress, but outside of that? I, I was with Trump in 2016 when he said, why do we have to be enemies with Russia? We're, we're, we're so culturally similar. It seems like the us together could really do great things around the world. Trump was right about that, and then he hired the neocon vampires and brought them into his administration and set about uh, endless sanctions on Russia and providing lethal weapons to Ukraine. But uh, anyway, it was disappointing to hear Glenn Beck say that. I, I won't do any more of that clip. It's, it's almost six minutes long. But I, 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 I like the anger, I got to tell you, because he's right. That's the amazing thing, is that this stuff is out in the open now. People know how corrupt the government is. I've covered it here for almost seven years now. Nothing ever happens. Now, I've explained to you why nothing ever happens. And that is because they have set up this system to where we fight each other and we make excuses for our side when they involve themselves in the corruption that the other party does. I talked about it a little bit yesterday. With the, we need age limits in Congress, except for the guy we're about to vote for in 2024, who will be 78 or 79 and finish his term at 82 or 83 years old. Uh, we're going to make an exception for him because he's on our side. He's our guy. Everybody else of that age, they got no business serving. But it, it was also a little sad. Glenn Beck goes on and he makes great point after great point. He talks about all these different scandals. Absolutely nothing happens. Nobody goes to jail. Meanwhile, the little people out in this country are filling jails across the country. We have the most imprisoned population in the Western world, probably in the entire world, except that, as I say every time, I don't really just trust uh, China's numbers on <laughs> how many people they lock up. But all of his list was Democrat crimes, not, not, not one about the GOP. Uh, he mentions Benghazi, which was absolutely a crime, a murder scene, which many people, including Hillary Clinton, should have gone to jail. But he doesn't mention Iraq, Afghanistan, and the millions of dead people. And this was caused by the GOP leadership at the time, with very many willing Democrats, too. And that, and that list is very long, and the crimes are many on both sides. And again, the reason, and I share Glenn Beck's frustration with this, you can expose this stuff over and over and over again. It's right in front of our faces. Nobody cares because they're on to the next thing. You actually, the partisans at this point, if you are a Republican or a Democrat, you are a mark, a dupe, a patsy. You are the reason that they are empowered to get away with this criminal activity. And, and make no, no bones about it. What you, you know, what's interesting? This is, the, this is a show on conservative talk radio that isn't encouraging you to be a dupe for either one of the political parties or the Trojan horses that they trot in front of you every two, four, and six years to tell you that they're going to save you and make everything better. And, and this is actually the, the place for populist people. There seems to be a big movement in this country and really in many countries around the world right now for populism. But I don't do right-wing or left-wing populism. Populism is supposed to be for the populace. And it's not really defined. I'm Actually, I'm going to give you, I looked up the definition of this. Populism, uh, populism is a range of political stances that emphasize the idea of, quote, the people, unquote, 
and often juxtaposed this group against, quote, the elite, unquote. There. That's my show. I don't do the right versus the left and their elites. I don't do a show for the, the left that's against the, the people on the right and their elites. I do a show for everybody out here, the 99.9%. That's my show. See, most people think they're populist. Is they actually, if you watch them, if you will get detached from it and be an observer like I am, they actually just support one oligarch over another. Vivek Ramazway? Vivek. I think I, I was clarified uh, last week. I heard someone saying, or he said his name is Vivek, not Vivek. Vivek Ramazway, you mean the pharma guy <laughs> who's now on your side? Oh, he says some great things. He can really get me nodding. Until I kind of look into his past, and then I hear him talking about we need to send the military to Mexico and <laughs> his his uh, his aggression towards China. There's a million reasons he's just another oligarch. Or there's the big guy, the the billionaire from New York City, <laughs> a real populist. There, we want a billionaire from New York City that voted Democrat his whole life until he decided to run for president. What about the Biden crime syndicate? Worth millions from their graft. Guys never, Joe Biden never produced anything in his life, or even the socialist Bernie Sanders. There was a populist movement, right? The guy who has several homes, underpaid his staffers, and now supports every war and every corporate bailout that comes across the pike. Here, here's what the Mike Madison show focuses attention on. I want you to listen to this. This was a kind of an interesting statistic. The combined net worth of the 50 richest members of Congress is $4.8 billion. With an annual salary of 174000 they would have to work 27,500 years to earn that much money. The highest positions of our government on both sides of the aisle are abusing their power for personal financial gain. How are we allowing this to happen? This, this poster posits. I don't know. How could it happen? Now, this is a little rigged. Obviously, some of these people that are part of this $4.8 billion arrive to Congress uh, wealthy because, look, they're craving for power and the prestige and the control that they get from being a member of the elite ruling class in this country. But instead of talking about these kinds of things like I do on my, on my truly libertarian populist show here, what, what are people talking about right now? But what are they talking about instead of this constant problem? I mean, we are talking about decades and decades and decades of congressional and political corruption in the United States. Some of you are new to it. You didn't know what was going on. You think maybe it just started in the past few years. It's been going on for decades. So what are people talking about instead of this? If you want to know why it doesn't get fixed, why we will always have these oligarchs in Washington, D.C., until we finally decide to stop talking about every other little distraction they throw our way, and uh, this might trigger some people. People might get mad at me for bringing this up. What's everybody talking about today? They're talking about Obama being a gay crackhead. <laughs> uh, that's, that's very titillating stuff. I would imagine most people listening to the sound of my voice already thought Obama was gay. We know these people are all perverted people. We know that drug laws are only for the little people out here. Just a few weeks ago, they found cocaine in the White House. Just couldn't quite get to the bottom of that. <laughs> 
So it's very titillating stuff, isn't it? Obama's a gay crackhead. What does that get you? You're going to get to spend the next week talking about a former president who will not be touched by this scandal. And this Friday, this Friday, for all of you who get paid on this Friday or on the 15th or whenever you get paid, this week, a third of your income will be stolen from you. Great focus, people. (laughs) Way to really drill in on the important issues. If Glenn Beck wants to know why these things continue to happen and nobody pays a price, it's because of this, this distraction. They're all distractions, even if they're the distractions that really feed our side. See, I told you he was gay. I told you he was a drug addict. I knew Michelle Obama was a dude. Could all very well be true and should be big stories if they're true, but even if you got to the bottom of it, it wouldn't make a lick of difference in anybody's life. I mean, guaranteed, the right side of the aisle will spend the next week two weeks, one month on the story. I I think it's worth Tucker bringing up. Tucker Carlson broke this story, interviewed a former gay lover of Barack Obama on his show. Certainly, it's a story, but it shouldn't be the focus, and it will get all of the energy of the right for the next week at least. And that's why the theft of the third of your income this Friday, eh, everybody will let that slide. It's kind of normal. You're used to it. But Obama being a gay crackhead, I told you, makes you feel good. Be right back. Can't explain all the feelings that you're making me feel. My heart's in overdrive and you're behind the steering. Speaking of being targeted, I I said yesterday I had seen somebody post the label of a Hellman's mayonnaise jar. If you did not listen to yesterday's show, apparently Hellman's mayonnaise, at least some products that they put out, have now got on their ingredients list uh, ingredients sourced from bioengineered products. I don't even, uh, basically none of us know what that means. Well, I had a listener, and I thank you very much for cluing me in. He said, I got news from the field that said that Nestle chocolate chips also say they have ingredients from bioengineered sources. That was from Tim. Thank you, Tim. People start reading your food labels. You've already been eating high fructose corn syrup and genetically modified organisms now for 20 years. And with all of the herbicides and pesticides that come along those, but it's never too late to stop that kind of crap. (laughs) Holy cow. I'll tell you what, I don't have to read a lot of labels because I just don't buy a whole lot of uh, bags and boxes. But uh, you might might think about taking a peek, particularly if you've got children. Uh, I thought this was amazing. This This came out from Thomas Massey, and this is not the first time. He's been sending out tweets. Thomas Massey, one of the greatest Congress critters uh, to have served in the past hundred years for sure. Libertarian guy from Kentucky. The only guy to vote against the CARES Act that essentially kicked off, lit the fuse on inflation. He's the only guy that voted against it, forced them all to come back to Congress. You remember how he was rewarded? The leader of the Republican Party at that time wanted him primaried. 
said he needed to be run out of the party because he was a grandstander because he tried to stand in the way of a $2.5 trillion giveaway spending bill to bail out businesses and give everybody a stimmy. And the head of the Republican Party at that time, if you know who that was, I won't even mention the name. <laughs> he said, he said he's a grandstander looking for attention. He needs to be run out of the Republican Party. <laughs> Because he stood in front of that bill. Uh, Thomas Massey has got a piece of legislation called the Prime Act. But I want you to read, because he keeps sending these out. Every time he gets a new uh, co-sponsor, he thanks the representative who will co-sponsor the bill with him. So this latest one says, Thank you, Representative Mills Press, for co-sponsoring the Prime Act, H.R. 2814. Here's what I want you to listen to. This is how far America has fallen. He says, this bipartisan bill will empower American farmers and American-owned processors to provide wholesome beef, pork, and lamb to local consumers. Did you know that we needed a piece of legislation so that farmers and processors could actually provide food to their communities, to anybody that wanted to buy it? We need an act of Congress now. We've fallen so far, farmers can't just farm and sell now it's all you know the the big agri-corps have bought up our government and put all kinds of obstacles between the farmer and the end user the human being who needs their food thomas massey is struggling in congress to allow american farmers and american producers uh, excuse me processors to provide beef pork and lamb to local consumers (laughs) holy cow uh, this was another one that I thought was interesting. Some, another statistic someone gave me. In uh, 2500 BC, this was back in the time of the pharaohs. <laughs> Just something to think about. Uh, this is from Genesis 47. It says, slaves owned by Pharaoh were required to pay him 20% of their income, which was their crop harvest. This was in the, the slave colony of ancient Egypt where the Pharaoh demanded 20% of their crops. In 2022, in the United States of America, the median U.S. taxpayer pays 24.8% income tax, along with a 7.65% FICA taxes. On his taxed income, he then pays sales tax, property tax, gas tax, and many other taxes and fees. (laughs) We are more abused financially by the U.S. government in 2023 Uh, than the slaves under Pharaoh were. More about that when we come back in just a minute. We're going to take a look at the the state of the U.S. economy. And there are some people making some really compelling arguments, particularly to older generations who are thinking that, "Ah, you kids are just doing a bunch of whining. Quit whining. I've talked about this before, but more new compelling clips keep coming out. So I'm going to keep covering them. Give me just a minute. We're going to take a quick break, and I'll be right back.
All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB. Going to take a look at the state of the U.S. economy. And I really, when Joe Biden first took office, there were a lot of things, you know, inflation started to spike, and it was driving me crazy that people were using the term Bidenomics, blaming him for everything, this brain-addled, diseased parasite up there that can't even probably tie his own shoes, but you believe he single-handedly collapsed the U.S. economy. Uh, the further he gets into his term, I'll allow it. <laughs> the, the policies out of the Biden administration are horrific. Absolutely, totally horrific. Now, he's just taking a bad situation that was bound to happen, even if Trump had a second term. The inflation was still going to pop. But he is certainly taking a bad situation and making it worse. The New York Post is reporting that Americans are defaulting on credit cards and auto loans at the highest levels since the financial crisis. What's interesting about that? Well, number one, we're told everything is just going along swimmingly, right? That's the first thing. Number two, this is at almost full employment. At the height of the financial crisis, if you remember, the unemployment rate was somewhere around 8 or 10%, and people were defaulting on credit cards and auto loans. Now, they tell us, they tell us we've got 3.8% unemployment, really oh, just about full employment here in the United States. And yet, we've already, what is going to happen? What is going to happen when we hit 5, 6, 7, 8, 10% unemployment? Now, I could make arguments, I don't have time today, that the unemployment rate is obviously quite higher than the 3.8% that the liars in the federal government tell you. But the bottom line is the official numbers of the great financial crisis were 8 to 10%. The official numbers now are 3.8%, yet we still have these huge defaults. Something doesn't sound right, does it? Isn't that interesting? Uh, this was an interesting clip. Young girls, I, I love it when young kids, now she doesn't get it all right here, but she, uh, I like young kids who get into economic statistics. These are my kind of kids. I heard a new term on TikTok today that made me stop in my tracks. We are living in the silent depression. This guy believes we are not just living in worse than the Great Depression, we're living in the silent depression. The average annual income in 1930 for an American individual was a little over $4,800. Sounds like nothing, but if you adjust that for inflation, a little over $4,800 a year in 1930 is equivalent to almost $85,000 annually for the average salary for one person. Right now, the average annual salary is $56,000 a year. We currently are making less than the height of the Great Depression. In 1930, gas was on average 10 cents a gallon. That would be about $1.73. In case you haven't filled up your car lately, average cost of a gallon of gas is $3.55. To buy a new car in 1930 would have been about $860. It's worth about 15 grand. The average cost of a new car today is $48,000. And of course, the most coveted aspect of the American dream, being able to buy a house in 1930, cost about $3,900, less than $70,000. I spend way too much time on Zillow, so maybe this isn't surprising to me, but the average price of a home in America today is $416 thousand dollars. How could we be living through worse cost of living and wages than 1930? And no politician, no media outlet, no one is talking about it. That's Biden. Well, apparently she didn't hear that uh, Obama's a gay crackhead. That's what everybody's talking about, <laughs> not the silent depression. So uh, in the last, what, seven minutes of this show, <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I, I have to laugh. Because I'm not sure why, 
I don't know what people are paying attention to. In the last seven minutes of the show, I've explained to you they were worse off than the slaves under the Pharaoh in 2500 BC. And now it turns out we're not doing as well as the people during the Great Depression. The, the Great Depression. Uh, someone named Douglas A. Boneparth. Now, I'm sure that's pronounced Bonaparte or something like that, but holy cow, you want to. I guess different people describe the standard of living slightly differently. Uh, he posted this. He said, it blows my mind how doomers think we're worse off today than during the Great Depression. I just had tacos delivered to my house using a handheld supercomputer. Also, a glass of milk won't kill your child. I think we're doing pretty good, all things considered. <laughs> so the standard of living for this guy is you may struggle. You, if you're young, you may never own a house. You're going you're gonna to rent everything. You'll own nothing and be happy, as they say. For the adults out there that are struggling to make ends meet, people are getting swamped by student loans. They're getting swamped by uh, interest on debt. They're being swamped by debt across the board. But you can still get a taco. <laughs> You can get a taco delivered by the supercomputer that you use in your pocket. Holy cow. Uh, some people do get it, though. I saw this from... Did I mention that Obama is a gay crackhead? I'm trying to get my ratings up. You want to talk about it? I'm sorry, I'm not in the studio. We can't take calls. Um, <laughs> so we'll move on to something I think is slightly more important. This was interesting. Todd Hagopian... He posted this. He said, by the time I'm 67, and this is for all of you out there, all of you listening, most people won't bother to do the math because we've just, we've kind of settled into the boiling pot. It's, it's nice and warm, kind of comfy by now, right? Uh, he said, by the time I'm 67, over $600,000 will be paid into Social Security on my behalf. That money would have been worth $1.9 million if I had gotten a 5% return. My annual interest would have been $95,000 a year. The government promises me $3,075 a month at age 67, which is $37,000 a year. He said, how is this not theft? Just think about this. I, I've covered this so many times. I could do the next three weeks just on Social Security alone. It's just such a Ponzi scheme and such a socialist program. And all the people out there saying, I paid mine. I'm getting mine. No, they already stole your money. You're taking money from young workers is what you're doing. That's tough love. People do not like to hear that. Trust me. They, they do not. People right now heard that and they get really mad. No, I paid in. I'm just getting mine back. You know, the sickest thing about this statistic, too, is not only would you have $1.9 million to do with as you see fit, I would say your return would be better than 5% also, because think of all the things you wouldn't have had to borrow money to do throughout your life. Paying 10, 15, 29% in credit card charges. The same with income taxes. It's not even the money that they take from you, but think of all the money you wouldn't have had to borrow. For many people in their middle age, you would have paid cash for a house if you had just been able to keep your income during the first 15, 20 years of your working life. No mortgage, no interest, no PMI. It's just, it's unlocking the U.S. economy and making us all happy and prosperous, not hard. <laughs> really not hard. The saddest thing is that people don't even ask for it. They don't even ask. They don't even, well, ask for it. They don't even think about it. Someone had posted 
uh, underneath this. This is, you want to hear what a statist sounds like? You know what a statist is, right? Somebody who basically they just believe you can't get by without the government. Government's just there to love us and help us along the way. This is actually a CFP. I assume that is a chartered financial, what's it, what is it, professional? I can't remember. It's a financial designation, but this person named Tommy Sykes said, Social Security is an insurance program, not an investing program, by design. So people who die early don't get paid as much or any as people who live to 103. Like when your house doesn't burn down, uh, your premium pays for someone else's uh, house who did, not rocket science. Anybody out there voluntarily paying for insurance on your retirement? Anybody out there asking them to put a little bit, you want a little bit more for Social Security when you turn 67? Anybody jacking up their Social Security contributions? I doubt it. Tell you what, I got to take a break up before I get into this clip because it's a little bit long. And then I've got some kind of surprising news. It's really kind of interesting. Um, Do you know what oil and gas production are like in the United States right now? I didn't either. I'm going to cover that when we get back as well. Stick around. So dark you can't see the end. Skies cocked back. Shotgun which can't defend. The rain then sends dripping. Acidic questions. Forcefully. The power of suggestion. Then with the eyes shut. Looking through the rust and rotten dust. A small spot of light floods the floor. And pours over the rusted world of pretend. And the eyes ease open and it's dark again. From the top to the bottom. From the top I stop. At the core I forgot. All right. Final segment for the day. You know how people will ask from, I don't know, when you're a little kid? I think this still comes up sometimes as an adult. What would, what would you want as your superpower? At one, pow- one time, I wanted omnipotence, because I do. I'm, I'm interested in having knowledge, understanding how things work, how people think, what the truth about something is. And then I realized, no, because then I would know exactly what everybody thinks about me all the time. <laughs> and I realized that is not the way I want to go. <laughs> Some things you don't want to know. So I decided not omnipotence. I think flying would be cool. I have flying dreams all the time, except that I don't fly like Superman, effortlessly zipping through the sky. For some reason, I have to pedal my legs to make myself fly. I know somebody out there knows dream interpretation. It means I always feel like I have to struggle. That's, gotta, that's how I interpret it. It's got to be something along those lines. It's very frustrating. But anyway, if I had one superpower, it would be able to take the desperation, the sadness. There's a lot of sadness and desperation in this country right now economically. And I tell you, that's the root cause of most of our problems, even the cultural ones. People who are happy and prosperous and productive, they don't have time for a bunch of microaggressions and looking for reasons to get upset. They're too busy living happy, fulfilled lives. And so there's a lot of sadness and desperation and some anger. And if I had a superpower, mine would be to be able to direct it in like a laser beam. Because I'm telling you, right, left, young, old, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, doesn't matter. Everybody has got a beef right now. Things are not going well and they can feel it in their bones. It's just that, boy, the targets of your ire is just so misplaced. That's what I wish I could do. I could harness all of that energy and focus it like a laser beam on the really very small group of people in a nation of 330 million and a planet of 8 billion. And we could laser focus these frustrations, these anger issues that we have. If we could focus those on the right people, we'd have everything solved 
in a fortnight. That's two weeks. I've never used that term before. It popped into my head. I think it's, uh, this makes me sound a little intellectual, doesn't it? Two weeks. Not two weeks to flatten the curve. Two weeks to straighten things out if we could focus our energies. This was a young lady, and I really kind of identified with her. I'll let you listen to hear her story. This economy and inflation and baby boomers. And I know that there's like a million people on TikTok every day complaining about inflation and the economy, but I don't know how I'm going to do this anymore. I am, first it started with my mom couldn't watch our kids while we worked anymore, which is totally understandable. Um, you know, I can pay a babysitter, we'll cut costs, we'll budget it, we'll make it work. And then we lost Medicaid because it was only be, being extended for us because of COVID and all the COVID like government benefits stopped. Okay, that's fine. We'll budget for health insurance. We'll cut more expenses. We'll sacrifice. We'll work more hours. We'll do whatever. And then student loans. We weren't planning on student loans being forgiven. Um, so we were already trying to figure out how to make it work to pay when payments started up again. Um, but both my husband and I have student loans and I cannot believe our student loans have gone up even though we've always made the payments on them because the interest is just so high. And so we were trying to figure out how we're going to do that. And we are just, we really didn't know. And then the final blow of it all is our property taxes were raised, which we were expecting because they evaluate home values the same time every two years. But most of the time it's only like increased by like a couple of hundred dollars a year. This time increased by a couple hundred dollars a month. And on top of that, when that happens, your homeowner's insurance goes up because it covers the value of your home. People, they're saying my home is worth half a million dollars, which is because I can't, I can't list it for half a million dollars. A real estate agent straight up told me that. So we contested it with our state, with our county, and they basically said, off. This is what we've decided. We, we reject your appraisal. So I went from $1,600 a month in a mortgage to almost two grand for the homeowner's insurance and everything. And I gotta pay back two student loans. I gotta pay babysitters every time I go to work. I just, I have no idea how to keep doing this. And the thing that makes me so mad about the baby boomers is my husband and I have decided that our best option is to sell our home so we can take the equity to pay off our car loan. Um, a personal loan that my husband took out during COVID because he was a small business owner during COVID and um, our student loans. I don't feel like that's a lot of debt for people. Like we're not drowning in credit card debt. We didn't, you know, build a pool in our yard. We didn't buy a boat. You know, it wasn't like we were irresponsible with money, but every single time we talked to our family about selling our house, our home, where I brought my two babies home from the hospital where they've walked in to go rent they're like that's a terrible idea don't do that you're so irresponsible for doing that why why do why do you even have student loan debt why do you even have a car payment i have one car payment out of the three vehicles i own okay all right i, I don't have time to play all that as i'm listening to it i realize what i probably need to do is a whole show on just on this clip there's a lot in there and the one thing i'd love to do is stop it about every 12 seconds and explain how the government and government policies 
and the politicians that most people have voted for, it doesn't matter on which side of the aisle you're voting for one of these parties and your team seems to win about, you know, every other time, how the government has created all of these hardships for young people. You know, I heard her talk about she's on Medicaid, and I thought, oh, that's going to, you know, people are be like, well, you shouldn't be on Medicaid. Hell, I think it's something like 63% of Republicans are for Medicare for all. Because health insurance has gotten so wildly expensive because, why? Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> because the government involvement and the monopoly that the big pharma and the medical establishment has on our government. I could explain all of it, but, uh, but I, I really understand. The boomers look at these kids. They don't understand that the world is not, it is not 1950. It's not even the 1970s. There's big drastic differences between the economic health of American families in the 70s when inflation was raging back then. Very, very different ball game. And, and I'm sorry, I have a soft spot for these young people. I guess it's, it's, you know, I don't have any white guilt. I do have Gen X guilt that I was part of a generation that allowed this to happen, that we spoiled everything uh, for the coming generations. More on that probably next week. That's all the time I got. Have a great one. I don't have time to get into the oil production stuff. Pretty fascinating. It'll be next week. All out of time.